Chapter 14, Creature of Habit Behind every great success story is a creature of habit. Achievement through repetition may sound like a tedious process, but rewarding practices are vital to building performance and perfecting one's craft. Exceptional athletes, high performers, and prolific creatives illustrate that reliable patterns generate positive outcomes. Being a creature of habit isn't a manifestation of a boring life. It's a life driven by an unexpected superpower. Growth requires boredom. It's the willingness to do the same thing repeatedly to perfect one's craft, even if boredom starts to settle in. It stands on the relentless habit of identifying patterns of repeatable positive outcomes. From the outside looking in, the journey toward fulfillment will look dull. However, boring isn't an option. It's a bare necessity. Build a formidable love for willpower and do what others aren't willing to do. Be an example of boredom manifesting greatness. When you develop a solid work ethic, you can be sure of the expected outcome. It's not about what-ifs, but what will be. Excellent awareness of rewarding patterns reduces unpredictability and will satiate your appetite for intuition. Recognize that prolific habits inspire confidence and the game of progress will feel like second nature. Believe in the limitless benefit of intuitive decision-making skills and facilitate opportunities for improvement. Habits are dynamic and will shift based on your current priorities. Like the seasons of life, they can change for the better. Do what's necessary, ignore the noise, and be a creature of habit. Do what others aren't willing to do and show the world that even boredom knows how to party. How's it, everyone? My name is Michael Kabuko, and welcome to another episode of the Love Notes for Life podcast, your creative space for amplifying greatness through gratitude. So last Friday, I finally hit a new PR. Yep, hold the applause, please. And it isn't what you think. So I finally hit my personal record for my weakest training session at the gym. Man, it was so bad. It was rough. I barely could lift. And trust me, it was not a motivation issue. It was far from it. But rather, it felt like my body just said, nope, not today, Mike. You've pushed me hard without rest for one year and a half, and you barely fed me, and I think I'm done. I'm ready for a long vacation, and you can just take it or leave it. Whoa, how moody. I guess my internal conscience can be sometimes a bit of a rascal, but my inner dialogue was right. My body was a wreck, and you may be wondering, how did I even get here in the first place? Well, for the past few weeks, I've been struggling with my cut. My strength was decent, but cutting weight was getting incrementally harder. When I first started cutting about more than a year ago, everything seemed so simple. It definitely played to my life as a creature of habit. Train, eat at a caloric deficit, and get cut. It wasn't easy, but it was doable, and if I followed protocol, I could expect results. Now, fast forward to the present, about a few weeks ago, I hit a pretty hard plateau a place where I just couldn't cut weight consistently. So to try and remedy the situation, I started implementing an extra cardio day. I didn't want to decrease my calories any further, so I figured, hey, 
what's an extra training session? I think it would help. But after seeing little to no progress, the following week, I just said, you know what? I'm just going to push myself even further and go ham. So I stepped up my cardio day by increasing my intensity and density, and it felt great. Scratch that. No, you know what? It felt amazing just to run my heart out. So I left the gym in top-notch shape, and everything seemed okay until later that night, I woke up with an extreme amount of pain. My hip flexors were on fire. The pain was so intense, and every time I tried to move in bed, it felt like a thousand daggers were piercing my legs. Cue the melodramatic music, please. I knew that if I could make it through the night, the next day would treat me to a friendly visit from our favorite friend, Mr. Doms, aka Delayed Onset Muscle Soreness. It's a pain that I've grown accustomed to, especially after training legs, but this feeling was on another level. Also, here's a kicker to make it even worse. I did leg day on Tuesday and followed it up with intense cardio on Wednesday. Of course, I should have expected it, and it was clearly a no-brainer. I was going way off course, and rather than moving forward, it seemed like I was taking 20 steps back. But I'm stubborn, and my relentless motivation, while it sounds like a blessing, became a downright curse. And my inclination to brute force my way out of this plateau caused me to drive my training regimen into the ground. As expected, Thursday came, and despite the warnings, I still went to the gym, and just like a broken record, my body just did not want to comply. I barely made it through training, and again, my ego got the best of me. I brushed off my lack of performance, forced myself to train on Friday, and bam, that's when it all went down. Mind over matter didn't matter, and my body was like, nope, not today, I'm done, I've clocked out, checked out, and I'll see you when I see you. Bye bye Then I recalled this word that kept popping up. I kept on hearing it from a variety of sources, ranging from podcast interviews to email tips, and even my buddy brought it up. The word was deload. Deload, deload, deload. If you say it enough and hear it for a bazillion time, then that's typically a sign to listen up or to drop one's ego and entertain the idea. Training deload is the process of taking a scheduled break from the heavy grind of one's fitness protocol. This typically entails reducing the intensity and volume of your training program. I heard about the term, but in the past, I didn't give it much attention. However, my perspective changed when I learned more about it during a conversation between Dr. Andrew Huberman and Dr. Andy Galpin. For the past few weeks, Andrew and Andy have been releasing podcast episodes where they deep dive into the science of fitness, exercise, and performance. In episode 4 of 6 of their guest series on the Huberman Lab podcast, Andy discusses his approach towards training and this idea that we can pretty much break down our fitness protocol like seasons. For example, as we all know, the winter season is typically filled with social expectations and environments where pulling back on calories becomes quite the challenge. So rather than pushing away the delicious meals, he recommended playing into it and using the winter season to bulk up, be at a caloric surplus, and get stronger. 
Now, this isn't a free pass to eat whatever you want at whatever quantity you want, but rather to approach your nutrition from an intentional game plan and adapt to the circumstances. Between the seasons of training, we can then implement training deload. Jeremy Ether, founder of Built With Science, formulated an excellent description of how to approach this situation. He described training deload as follows. After four to eight weeks of training, spend one week where you eat at maintenance calories, lower your training weight by 10%, lower your training repetition by half, and lastly, avoid any high-intensity cardio or interval training. It may seem counterintuitive, but it's far from that. The point of training deload is to reset your body to a zero-state stress zone and refresh the internal system. It's kind of like bringing in your car for maintenance at the recommended factory service intervals. You see, when you're training for an extended period, your body accumulates waste. And even if you incorporate the mandatory rest days, your body is still in a state of heavy wear and tear. This is especially true when you're in a caloric deficit. During the cutting phase, you've already restricted the necessary nutrients to keep your body at maintenance. So you're already dancing between a fine line between cutting fat, maintaining strength, and to top it off, trying to promote full recovery. The physical demand required during a cut is a lot to ask from your body, albeit unnatural. So training deload needs to exist within your fitness protocol. In addition, if you routinely engage in weight training, sports, or any other high-performance activities, deload training is essential. As Dr. Andy Galpin states, if you demand the most from your body, then consider yourself an athlete and perform like one. I really thought I could beat the system by avoiding deload training and using motivation alone to push through my plateaus. Now, it's super clear that I was wrong, and it served as a great reminder that the ego can trick you into deviating from the path. Here's a little piece of advice that I heard recently. People think they have a problem with obedience. Kids think they have a problem with being obedient to their parents, and adults think they have a problem with being obedient to their responsibilities. However, both kids and adults don't have a problem with being obedient to watching their favorite TV show or being obedient to spending all of their currency on themselves. The predicament isn't obedience, but rather understanding that obedience is a choice beyond the ego. I bring that conversation up because through life, our ego can get the best of us. Even the strongest-willed, determined, and motivated individuals will fight the idea of being right over what is better. It's a natural human response, but if we can learn to step back, drop the ego, and entertain new ideas, it will allow us to rebuild our roadmap towards crushing our goals in life. It took me weeks of beating up my fitness protocol to only realize that the answer was already being whispered. No, scratch that. Actually, it was being shouted at me to slow down to move faster, take a break, and do the deload training. Look for patterns. They are all around us, and patterns of success usually emerge when you need them the most. It's kind of like those pivot points I talked about a few episodes ago. But most importantly, learn to actively drop the ego to build awareness for witnessing those patterns of success. It's good to fight for what you believe in, but always recognize the value in the statement, trust but verify. It's not just some old adage that President Ronald Reagan kept repeating to President Mikhail Gorbachev. 
It's the statement that we should all adopt into our lives, especially when it comes to our ego. It's good to have an unbreakable faith, but trust is developed and built over time. Have faith that you will succeed in your goals, but trust that your ego can make or break you. Learn the patterns of success and failure and do more of what makes you better. Thanks y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Love Notes for Life podcast. I look forward to continuing this conversation of awareness and amplifying greatness through gratitude. My book, Love Notes for Life, is now available on Barnes & Noble with the direct link in the show notes below. If you're enjoying the Love Knows for Life podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple, and other major podcast platforms. For a behind-the-scenes look on new merch dropping soon, be sure to follow me at Mike Kabuko on Instagram or Twitter. Thanks y'all for the support, and always remember, there is beauty in knowing that there is only one of you. Take care.